and we've been covering this story about Syria and this this region for years. Okay, I started really hammering this in 2011, and I I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you um, I I have walked personally right now through East Aleppo today, and I have been uh, to some places that CNN says doesn't exist. Okay, amazing, and I've been there. Every single thing that we've reported, Hesher, is 100% true. And this trip just validated it. Wow. So uh, I, w I was in a, basically an ISIS prison today. Um, and so they said that ISIS isn't in, wasn't in Aleppo. They were in Aleppo. Um, Nusra was in Aleppo. They're all in here. And uh, they commandeered hospitals and schools and turned them into Sharia courts. Was in, I saw a women's prison as well. Uh, I mean, there's nothing that you can say. Wow, and that's it was amazing. Just, uh, and to experience that on, on a, a big holiday like this, too, what, a, what an experience like, that must be. Yeah, so, you know, life goes on. People, Christians are celebrating Easter across Syria. And, uh, you know, the beautiful Easter celebrations in Damascus. And, um, but, you know, they do so with an air of caution. Um, they're firing mortars, terrorists are firing mortars into residential areas randomly, everywhere. Everywhere you find them, they're, they're, they're shelling, uh, innocent civilians randomly. And, uh, we went into you know, underground prison we were in uh, today, which has been liberated and secured uh, by the Syrian army. And uh, it's just, uh, I don't know what to say. I mean, there's no words to describe the the, the sort of horror and the pure evil of it. Um, <clears throat> but what really makes me up more than ever, I realize um, what a bunch of pathological liars uh, everybody at CNN is and the whole of the U.S. mainstream media, and the New York Times, and the Washington Post, and the BBC, and Channel 4, all of them. Uh, absolute pathological liars and complete frauds, because everything that they've been reporting about Syria has been a lie from A to Z, and I've seen it for myself. And uh, that's all. That, that's the nicest thing I can say. And I think personally, that the media in the West are responsible for the prolonging of this conflict because they've been able to give cover for uh, the completely illegal and illicit practice of arming and funding that the U.S. and its allies and Saudi Arabia and all the rest of them, Turkey, uh, the U.K., France, have all been involved, the UAE, have all been involved in supporting terrorism in this country and has destroyed half of this country, but the people are very dedicated and strong here, and they're complete, you know, I'd say, you know, more than most of the country. We're talking in probably the 80 percentiles are, are behind this government here, behind this president, behind the army. It's not Assad's army, it's the Syrian army. They don't work for Assad. They work for their country, and they're trying to propel a foreign invasion. And that's what it is. It's not a civil war. These aren't rebels. 
This is an invasion, and they're terrorists, and they're backed by foreign powers. End of story. Clear as day. And so we're 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 walking through East Aleppo. The devastation is is unbelievable. I don't even know where to start. It, it just it's like a punch in the gut when you see it, and it's endless. Uh, there's just so much devastation. What we drove in to the city of Aleppo, and every single factory was destroyed that I could see on the road uh, coming in. Every single factory was destroyed, intentionally targeted. This was a systematic uh, takedown of a country. And uh, in cities like Damascus and Aleppo, they targeted, you know, and, and Palmyra specifically targeted World Heritage Sites, specifically targeted cultural, important cultural landmarks. It was like a, a shopping list to rip the heart out of the country, to rip the heritage, to uh, destroy the culture, to kill tourism, to kill national pride, and to kill anything of value um, that the country might hold dear in terms of its, uh, its heritage. It's systematic, intentional. Um, these people were given orders to do specific things, to attack infrastructure, to attack the manufacturing sector, to cripple the economy, to, to kill heritage and culture and uh, anything of value that the country had in terms of history. Absolutely, 100%, no doubt about it. You know, this is this was nothing to do with the Arab Spring. And let me tell you, and let me just say this. Um, so we just came back from a Christian village called Malula. It's one of the oldest Christian communities in the world. It's right back to the time of Christ. And the Free Syrian Army, this is the ones backed by the United States, championed by John McCain and Lindsey Graham, Adam Kinsinger, and all the rest of these uh, guys in Washington. These people attacked and brutalized Christians and put, you know, fatwas against Christians. That's the Free Syrian Army. They packed tires full of dynamite and rolled them down the hill towards a, a convent full of nuns and residents. And, and that's the Free Syrian Army. That's John McCain's army uh, in action, basically. And, you know, all the residents will tell you these stories. That was in 2013. Wow. They managed to retake the city. The Christian militias, and with the help of the army as well, retook Malula in April 2014. It is one of the most significant historic Christian sites in the world. And they went, at, they went after it because of the symbolic value of it. And that's the Free Syrian Army. That's the moderate rebels, right? And then we, we just went to the site of a massive suicide uh, bombing attack, which is up, a, there's a story up a 21st century wire at the um, uh, place where this event took place. And uh, Nusra al-Rasham, who called themselves the FSA, the Free Syrian Army now, you see. So it's been formalized. And uh, it's, what can you say? It's just completely crazy, you know. That's amazing. How on earth. I can't believe yeah, this. How that's, on earth could. That's, uh, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, go ahead. I just think it's worth underlining there that these just cannot be 
rebels at all. They have clearly have a, a mission to destroy culture, infrastructure, as you said. I mean, that's not a rebellion by people of that country. If it was truly a rebellion by people of that country, they wouldn't be doing that. They would be trying to take control of the country, not destroy it. No. In the history of... The, the important point here is in the history of nations and the history of war, even, or the history of civil wars. To have a civil war or to be a rebel, you need to have some sort of a political uh, solution that you're competing with the, whatever the status quo is, and you present that as an option, and, uh, you know, whether a new constitution or something like that, right? That's the first thing. They don't have that. And then, and they never did. The second thing is, you need to be from inside the, the country. You need to be drawn from the native population. They've got thousands of, you know, Chinese Uyghurs, you know, in Idlib right now with their own, who brought their families over from Western China via Turkey. And they set up their own little Islamic state in Idlib. You've got people from Indonesia, Philippines, Afghanistan all over the place, Africa, Somalia, Britain, France. I mean, they're not from Syria. So how could they be, uh, how could this be a civil war? How could they be rebels? They're not. This is a terrorist invasion, plain and simple. There's no other way to uh, describe it. And uh, I, I, that just became glaringly obvious uh, today from... You know, the places and the whole week from the places we visited, the things that we've seen, uh, listening to the testimony of uh, residents, um, you know, the, the, there is, to, to me, there is no, um, there's no room for debate. Uh, and the problem is that uh, our airwaves, uh, I would say, especially in Europe and the United States, are flooded, flooded with disinformation. Uh, from some very powerful media organizations that can collectively create a reality for uh, a majority of the population just based on the fact that they're only getting their information from a few news sources that are meant to be respectable, but let me tell you, they're not. And uh, this uh, over the last week, it's pretty much proven what I already knew anyway, but it just sort of underlined it. And... Um, I think the people that work in those organizations should really be ashamed of themselves unless they just don't know what they're doing and they're just repeating whatever their producer told them to, to say. But this, they've been sticking to the same script now for six years uh, with this particular conflict, and uh, they're still, he's still using the same talking point. Um, and let me say that nothing could be uh, further from the truth uh, than that sort of those lines that are being pushed around. So, but... Um, it's kind of difficult, uh, kind of difficult to uh, to give them that excuse after six years of this, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it's it's one thing. To yeah, think that's yeah. Their, that's their producer's line, and they're just reading it. But boy, after this much time and so much uh, valid reporting coming out of Twenty First Century Wire, you would think that the word might get around at least to one reporter or another. But it's not. It's just a full on mm -hmm. acceptance of the state line. Sure, and you know, and there there are mainstream journalists that that claim that they're reporting from from Syria or that say they've spent time here and they haven't. They've just been running around uh, southern Turkey, uh, and maybe they stepped over the border somewhere and stepped back again. But there's no way 
that uh, they've been re in this country uh, because if they did, um, there's no possible way they could possibly report what they've been saying uh, so regularly. I could pick on a few CNN uh, reporters, of course, there, but, you know, we've already mentioned them ad nauseum in previous shows. But um, this is a, it's a very big, very diverse country, ethnically very diverse, religiously very diverse, more so than any other uh, country in the region that I've ever visited. Um, so, you know, in that sense, um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not a monolithic culture or country by any stretch of the imagination um, and economically had a lot of diversity and they've lost a lot of that and there is uh, you know some sectarian issues now as a result of all the violence and um, and that sort of divisiveness that this conflict has created and so the country's going to have to deal with all of these issues going forward but um, you know it's, uh, it's this is not Iraq and I, I just wonder if that's, uh, you know, what the the designers of this conflict had in mind uh, six or seven years ago. This is not Libya. This is not Iraq. It's very different. And uh, but it, it seems to me like they were trying to run similar programs uh, on this country, and it, it hasn't, you know, they haven't got the desired result. It's been, it hasn't been a, a shoe in as it was. Uh, in 2003 or, you know, with Libya in 2011. Uh, it's been a lot more difficult. There's, there's a lot of resilience in this country, um, and uh, the people are not, uh, it's, it's not a, it's not a dictatorship. This, this is a nation state, and the people are rallying behind their, their country and their flag, and, uh, and they do support this president, and we've spoken to a lot of people, and they do. Um, the majority of the people do. Uh, so you know this mantra that Assad must go. Uh, it doesn't really ring true when you when you travel around the country. And you you speak to a lot of people. There's people that want reforms. They want changes. Absolutely. Uh, they want to liberalize certain parts of politics. Absolutely. Um, but they they support this uh, government, this president, uh, overwhelmingly, and they do understand that this is an external war that's been uh, uh, placed upon the country by external powers. And, uh, you know, we're just, uh, you know, watching uh, the jets flying over us uh, today, Syrian and Russian uh, jets, and you see the, the job the Russians did clearing out the mines of uh, so many areas around the country and making it safe for people to go back, and especially in Palmyra uh, and Aleppo. And, um, you know, there's no other countries that are, that are helping uh, on that level, you know, so, you know, the, the people here do appreciate the assistance uh, that Russia has given them, and rightfully so. Uh, and they do resent uh, the support the pro of the pro the, for the proxy war um, by the West, by the Gulf states, and people understand that. They also know that the, uh, the white helmets are a complete fraud. And we've spoken to residents, and we said, were the white helmets there at this uh, suicide blast, as, as, as was reported in the Washington Post? They said, what white helmets? You know, so you know, the, all, the, the lies are wearing thin, is what I'm saying, and um, uh, the facts are, are coming to the surface, and you can't hold back um, the truth. Uh, they can obfuscate it and try to uh, distort reality for a period of time, but, you know, at the end of the day, the people who live here know what's going on, 
even if the people uh, living in Los Angeles or London don't have a clue, the people who live here know exactly what's going on, and I've found that to be overwhelmingly the case. Um, even though they don't watch uh, U.S. or European cable news channels that much, uh, they still know what's going on. And the, the Americans who are glued to the television 24 hours a day don't know what's going on, so that should tell you something about uh, uh, the, the state of uh, modern media. Uh, in the West, I find it. Well, I would find it amusing if it wasn't so tragic. Yeah, yeah. I'm Sorry for that rant, Hesher. <laughs> no, that's that's okay. We're we're all very interested um, in in your thoughts on that because it has been um, pretty close to home, I think, for a lot of Sunday Wire listeners and and those of us that have been following this this conflict for the last five years. I mean, it's. It's hard to believe it's been that long already. It's just, uh, it's really sad. Do you, do you think there's any end to this in sight? I mean, what what can we look for moving forward here? Um, that's a good question, and um, I, I don't think there is going to be an end um, uh, anytime soon, but I do think that uh, definitely the, the, the corner's been turned, and um, I think the, the Syrian government have the upper hand. Although, you know, we will see what happens with the uh, the great show that's uh, being prepared, the great theatrical show in Raqqa, uh, which will apparently, the opening act will be in May, I'm told. Uh, so we'll see where everyone's going to jockey for position, and those who want to partition this country will uh, make their moves um, in that direction, and Israel will make its move uh, on the Golan Heights and so forth, and maybe Jordan will uh, help. Uh, send some so-called rebels over their border to help with the southern front for Israel and the United States and everybody else who's in it. But, um, yeah, so I don't, it's, there's still a ways to go, Hesher. But, you know, one of the things that's going to uh, slow down this effort uh, to destroy this country, I think, is just the exposure of all the lies. And uh, so that's why we're we ourselves and so many other journalists. I met some wonderful ones here, uh, who are basically have that same mission: is really just to get the truth out, expose the lies, um, show the the inadequacy of the mainstream media, and um, you know get and as a result, a lot of people are much uh, better informed about this and so many other conflicts like it. And uh, that's a trend that's just really uh, on the move. It's not going to be reversed. It's only increasing, I think. And as that happens, it's going to be more difficult uh, for this sort of style of a, a proxy war and also the deceptive media campaign that's used to facilitate it. So, um, but this is a very painful, uh, a painful way to uh, to realize all that pressure. It's very uh, painful for the people who live in this country. They've lost a lot. Let me tell you, they've lost a lot. The country's gutted. Um, most of the country's gutted as a result of this conflict, and it's just, uh, you know, whole towns, whole villages, halves in parts, halves of cities. Imagine if half of Los Angeles was just wiped out, or half of New York was just wiped out. And imagine all the lives, the businesses, the properties, the families, the history, the memories gone. You know, that's what this country is having to deal with on a large scale. And um, there's refugees within the country. We visited some of them. I, you know, you, it, I mean, uh, so many of them. Uh, but, but you know, spirits are um, 
you know, relatively high considering the adversity with some people. Other people, it's going to be very hard to, to get past what they've experienced. And, uh, it's, yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's a level of devastation yeah. that's really hard for a lot of us to imagine. So uh, I know that the listeners really appreciate what you guys are doing out there, uh, putting yourselves out there, making the hard travel, going there and seeing this all with your own eyes and talking to people yourselves. I mean... Give us a. We've got about. Looks like we've got a, another twenty-eight minutes or so left on our uh, our call here. Can you give us like um, give us a little bit of a feel for what it was like traveling into Aleppo and into Syria, just in general? You know, as as someone from the West. Yeah, it's it's um, security is very tight. You know, and you expect it. There's a war going on. Um, there's checkpoints everywhere. I mean, everywhere, and uh, so that's expected. Um, it's a you know uh, a lot of just desolation you know when you get out of the cities, um, but you know in a city like Aleppo, half the city is is, is really devastated, and, and the half that's not devastated is also devastated. Right. Um, they they took a lot of shelling in West Aleppo, and they killed eleven thousand someone you know people, and uh, you know Ivanka Trump isn't um, shedding any tears for those eleven thousand people unfortunately um so uh but um not to get sidetracked but uh yeah we could go down uh, on that one yeah i mean this is so unique this country um the the heritage of damascus aleppo and other cities it's so unique um and it's a real uh loss uh, for the, for, I think the world, uh, not just for the people here, but for people who came from around the world to visit these places and the old souks in Aleppo and so forth. And, you know, some of the, uh, archaeological, uh, treasures like Palmyra, uh, they're not going to be able to do that, um, and see what was seen there 15 years ago or 10 years ago by people who from all over the world. I had spoke to a tour guide here bringing people from Japan, everywhere, from China, Australia, U.S., Canada, seeing, walking them through the old souks of Aleppo, walking them through the columns of Palmyra, and they, it's just, it, some of it's just not there anymore. Uh, I mean, you're talking about really grand, I mean, like, one of the most incredible cities in, in, in the whole region, Aleppo, one of the longest inhabited cities, Aleppo and Damascus, in, in the human history. And uh, these lunatics have been uh, sent on with guns and uh, a very toxic ideology to just destroy it and lay waste to it and murder and pillage along the way. That's really the long and the short of it. And uh, it's a tremendous loss. They will rebuild, but it won't be the same. But they will, you know, they will eventually rebuild, but it's going to take a long time. It might take a, a couple of generations. You know, in total, if you look at Beirut, and they're still rebuilding 30 years later. So, but I think Syria will probably do Syria will do a better job, uh, probably a faster job of rebuilding than uh, than Lebanon has. Um, but uh, it's still, yeah. it's, so, it's so sad to have to think about taking entire generation or you know decades or whatever it takes to not even be able to rebuild. I mean, when that kind of history and culture is destroyed you you really can't rebuild that i mean of course they'll they'll do their best no and i'm sure they'll come out 
um, looking good again if they're finally left alone by these uh, these criminals, these marauders, these these terrorists. But uh, you're yeah. right. You know, there's just certain things that have been destroyed, and uh, so many lives that have been ruined. And lives that have been lost. That's just the kind of thing that uh, no no amount of infrastructure rebuilding and structure rebuilding can can replace. And then you've got all those historical sites that are just gone now, and that that is just so sad. Yeah, no, it, you can't describe describe it. And uh, um, but anyway, they're cleaning stuff up and cleared a lot of roads. And Vanessa will talk about that, you know, in the next segment. Um, uh, we've got uh, uh, something on the street. Um, uh, we're speaking to her. But uh, I've, I've met her, some very interesting and uh, really dedicated uh, journalists as well here. I've got one with me. He wants to say hi to the show. Uh, and uh, he's from Norway. His name's Tommy. Um, I can't pronounce his last name, so I'm hoping he's going to help you with that. So I'm going to pass the phone over uh, to Tom. He's just going to say hi, and uh, you might ask him about uh, you know some of the, his impressions of, uh, of of Siri this week. Yes, hello, this is Tommy. Hi, Tommy. Welcome to the Sunday Wire. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, welcome. So tell us a little bit about uh, what you've witnessed and uh, how long you've been in Syria. Um, well, we've been here, been here now since Thursday. Um, it's a lot of impressions. It's actually quite hard to structure it all because um, the sheer amount of destruction is um, it's difficult to put put into words. And I'm not only talking about the physical destruction of buildings, but the sort of psychological destruction of the people here. This is a war of attrition, and this is a war of attrition first and foremostly the population, the civilian population. Um, as um, he probably said about this whole um, incident with the bus bombs, well, these people were basically being toured around these cities, these so-called rebel-controlled areas where they were taunted after the very attack just to sort of humiliate them even further. This is when the children have been taken away. They've seen their loved ones die. It's um, it's evil on the scale. It's it's hard to it's hard to describe. Yeah, that's that's got to um, be really difficult to see. Um, I, I've seen some of the reports and some of the the photos of the aftermath of that attack, and it's just it's it's hard to even comprehend that uh, that's happening and the Western media won't even hardly touch it. I mean, they're feeding us all these lies about Assad attacking his own people and then a huge attack like that happens and it, it doesn't even make the news. I mean, it's 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 amazing to me. Yeah, and they still have the temerity to call these people rebels. Right. If, I, think, I think if a nuclear holocaust doesn't kill this world, the cognitive business will... <laughs> the, it must be, some of these people, some of these journalists that report from these places, and like um, like Patrick pointed out here from Turkey, from Gaziantep and the places and the likes, they must suspect what's going on. But for, for the journalists that are reporting back home or from the pool side of Lebanon, uh, it's a different story. Some of them definitely do not know. And are basically just being um, have 
been indoctrinated and I suppose the truth has become so internalized that it's, it's impossible to see reality in the eyes. The paradox of having a chemical attack in Mosul and stating that this is ISIS and not drawing the lines, it's connecting the dots, it's, um, it's mind-boggling to be honest with you. Yeah, it's. I know it's. Uh, it's almost. It's really hard to comprehend that it, it could be that backwards. That the reporting could just be completely turned upside down on its head. I mean, of course, there's been all kinds of war propaganda and political propaganda throughout the years. It's an old trick, but uh, to see how it's being wielded now in the new age of social media and low attention spans, it's it's frightening to me. But this is the thing, I think this whole new social media sort of thing, the attention span, I think you're, you're spot on. Because propaganda is usually, as far as I can, can tell, been more concerned about omitting things and leaning in a certain direction. Blatant lies has a tendency not lasting very long. That's they don't really do now either, but people forget. People forget so easily. They sure do. I mean, we're seeing the same tactics over and over again with the lies. I mean, we can go back to uh, the Iraq war and look at all the, the lies that were, were fed there with WMDs and uh, incubator baby exactly. lies. Yeah, so it's, this, exactly. these are old tricks, and I think you're right. You know, this, the, it, used to, it used to be a matter of uh, you know, obfuscation and um, omission, but now it's just like... Well, if we just repeat the lie often enough and loud enough and widely enough, eventually everybody's going to just just believe it. Yeah, or just grow tired of it and give up, I think. I yeah, think yeah there's an well. element of fatigue there as well. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so what's what's next for you guys? I mean, are, are you, how long will you be there? Are you going to uh, keep covering out there for a while yet? I mean, I'm I'm curious to know. Uh, I mean, don't don't give away too many plans, but uh, we're curious, all curious out here to know how it's going to go from here. Yeah. Like, I mean, we be we be keep pushing our stories already. From these days, there are a few. Um, a few different cases and points to be taken up, uh, and I'm sure they will keep coming. Um, you are obviously aware of that we can't give away details, and I'm sure your listeners are as well, and understand the reasons for that. Absolutely, yeah. You guys' safety is, is number one for sure. I, I'm really hoping that you guys are uh, staying safe out there, and we really appreciate you guys putting yourself out there in a, a dangerous situation to get this information out to uh to all of our listeners and readers uh we just can't tell you how important it is and and how much we value it we get messages all the time from from listeners who who just uh you know they they need people like you and Patrick and Vanessa and Pierre and so many others that we've had on Sunday wire so um you know we we really want to wish you all the best and uh uh just looking forward to you know everything else that you guys put out while you're there and you know we're always here for you if you ever need to reach out or get on the air you just let us know okay thank you very much and i think i can speak for most of us here when i say we take um we take pride in being here and also for the listeners but predominantly for the people we meet and the stories they so desperately want to tell which is the truth 
Absolutely, Tommy. We really appreciate there's, there's it. There's no other way, other place we could be. That's right. Yes. Well, thank you so much for everything you do. We're looking forward to hearing more. Um, I understand that uh, Gail Malone is there with you as well. She is. I'll put her right over. And thank okay. you very much for having right. me on. Thank you, Tommy. We really appreciate it. There he goes, everybody. Hello. My name is Gail Malone. I'm from Australia. Hi, Gail. This is Hesher with uh, Sunday Wire. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us today. Um, thank you for hearing us. Oh, it's it's our uh, pleasure. Today, it's, it's our pleasure. So, uh, how's it going out there? Give us give us a little update from from your perspective. So, this is my fourth trip to Syria since the beginning of the crisis, and every time just reinforces the fact that uh, the West and NATO countries. Uh, they're doing a number on this country that I've never seen in all my years. I've never seen this amount of propaganda, the amount of money that's being thrown at it. It's phenomenal. And today we met with the survivors, and it's not even 48 hours since many of them have lost their loved ones, but they're so desperate to get their stories told. They're brave beyond measure. Uh, I, I really couldn't see me standing with a bunch of strangers telling this horrific, evil damage that was done and predominantly aimed at children. We went on the buses and there's chips through the buses and children's toys and the glass and... If the world really knew what was happening here, it just couldn't go on. It just couldn't go on. Yeah. And if it can happen in Syria, which was one of the most safest countries in the world before the crisis, it's sheer arrogance to think it couldn't happen anywhere else if there was a need by the powers that be Imperium. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that must be really, really difficult to to report on, you know, seeing people like that who have lost loved ones and, and young people and children. That's that's a really fresh uh, it, wound. It, it is. It's very, it's very difficult to hear. But we only have to hear it. Right. People in Syria live with this day in, day out. Every day there's mortar attacks on Damascus. You never hear of that. It's, it's, Damascus has more than trebled its population since the beginning of the crisis. So this is a crowded city, a very crowded city. And mortars are lobbed at peak hours and at lunchtime when there's the most people on the street. They're aimed at schools. They're aimed at civilians. It's a war against civilians because if you can break the civilians down, you win. But... There's also an old saying that know your enemy, and I really don't think the West knows the Syrian people. Because Syria won't bend to, to their will. It makes them stronger and more united and more able to fight for their country, their sovereignty, and their children. And they will let their children know the truth. 
to make them stronger and not trust the West. Well, that is that is good to hear. I would be very, very upset to hear that uh, anything different. And from everyone that we've talked to from Syria on Sunday Wire over the last couple of years, uh, I think that is the exact impression that we have, that the listeners have out here to the Sunday Wire radio show. Um, we, re- we really appreciate you coming into the show today and, and telling us what you've seen there and boy I really hope uh, I hope that it goes the way that the Syrians want it to go I don't want to see none of us want to see that country be split up or anything like that now you mentioned um, the constant mortaring and shelling that's happening and yet in the in the mainstream media in the western mainstream media all we hear is uh, talk of Assad dropping barrel bombs on his own people it's just amazing to me. What do you make of that? I mean, the the prop- levels of propaganda are just ridiculous. You can it's, you can talk to any Syrian on the street, and they'll tell you who's actually dropping mortars and bombs and behind chemical attacks. Yet the mainstream media here wants to blame Assad and Putin for everything that's happening. Well, if one is to believe what the media tells them, they have to suspend disbelief. If Assad was truly trying to kill his people, the job would have been done by now. He could have dropped chemical weapons all over this country years ago. He could carpet bomb this country. The Syrian army are the Syrian people. You can't separate them. (laughs) The Syrian, they're the brothers, the fathers, the sisters of the Syrian people, does the West really, the Western citizenry, really believe that this one man has such powers of persuasion to convince a predominantly Sunni army to kill their own families? And not only can he convince an entire army, he can convince Russia as well to getting on the act. It's madness. It is madness. It's pure madness. It makes no logical sense whatsoever. And and we saw last night um, on Twitter, because of, um, our internet's inconsistent, um, that they're blaming the Syrian army for this attack on the buses. Oh, my gosh. And that the white helmets turned up on cue, as they always do, and the white helmets were helping. But the survivors didn't go along with that tale. They said they came, there were some terrorists hurt, and they took them. But they wanted nothing to do with the civilians. What an amazing... And yet it's reported that these heroes ride in on their charges and save the day. What a fraud. It's, it's, it's just a fraud a, on a massive scale. You're right. It, it's and a, there's it's so much money against, that's been thrown into it. Yes, it's, it's, a, it's a fraud that is uh, tantamount to a crime against all of humanity, I would say. It's just, it's not Most right. Most definitely. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Boy. Well, where do we go from here? Do you have anything else you'd like to say to the listeners? It looks like we've got a few minutes left on our call here. Um, I'll let you have the final words uh, for, for this one here. 
if people don't want to believe the alternate media because we're being, it's being pushed that we don't know the truth, that we're conspiracy theorists, there's WikiLeaks cable that back up what we say. And there's enough of them that people just have to look at these cables, look at what activists on the ground say. People on the ground are silenced, whether it's activists or the citizenry in Syria. Okay, well, thank you so much, Gail, uh, for joining us today. We really appreciate you and uh, appreciate everything you're doing out there. And stay in touch, okay? We'll, uh, everybody out here is, is pulling for you guys, and we're just at the edge of our seats waiting to hear more. So uh, thank you for joining us today. I'll let you uh, hand it back to Patrick. It looks like our call will run out in a little bit here, but... Uh, Thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for giving us a voice. Anytime. Bye for now. Okay, goodbye. There she goes, everybody. That's Gail. Over to Patrick. It looks like, Patrick, we've got a good maybe five minutes or so left. Yeah, thank you, uh, Gail Malone. That was uh, fantastic. And uh, also to to, uh, to Tommy as well. And, uh, you know, I've met some great international people. There's a lot of people from around the world uh, here in different parts of the country recording take you know witnesses yeah and and uh telling you know really trying to get the truth out um and uh and there's a few good mainstream uh, journalists that are brave enough to uh uh put out some truthful stories we met a few as well um and uh so we'll be sharing those articles on 21st century wire uh so you know it's not to say that uh, there are some good people out there pushing the envelope uh, in the mainstream, I know that's probably very hard. It's more like career suicide for most people, but um, they're they're still trying, and and we're helping to nudge them along in the right direction as well, uh, with some encourage positive encouragement. But um, yeah, and uh, yeah, well, we'll have hopefully more reports for you, Hesher. Um, you know, next week and and during the week, uh, you're going to see some explosive stuff. Um, coming out on uh, 21wire.tv in uh, during the, in the next few days, probably. Maybe there's already, if you check out Vanessa Bealey's Facebook page, you'll see some, some stuff's already been uploaded, and also we'll have stuff on Twitter. Um, after the break, Hesher, um, I've got a, two segments, one with Vanessa Bealey, uh, and also we'll talk about, you know, what's going on, the big story here today, and also with uh, a gentleman named Mohammed who I met, um, down at the mosque uh, that was basically taken over um, or when we met him uh, uh, earlier uh, as a terrorist command center, basically. And uh, we talked about, you know, how the city's been devastated, uh, Aleppo. And so we'll, we'll share those with you after the break. Uh, and, uh, and then we, I don't know if we have time, we might uh, rerun the interview with Patrice, uh, the SAA commando, uh, who, uh, told his story a couple of weeks ago with us. We might rerun that for some people because it was just, uh, a fantastic, uh, interview. Um, and, uh, it really, everything that was laid out in the interview, I have to say, um, was more or less validated today and this week. Uh, and we're just really scratching the surface, Hesher. We, we haven't really, there's, there's a lot more to see and learn, uh, and we will do so. Uh, in the coming uh, days and weeks. Okay, everybody, I want to thank 
uh, Patrick Henningsen, Gail Malone, and Tommy Solvit for joining us today. Uh, wow, what a powerful segment there. Uh, I'm, I'm at a loss for words. So we're going to take a break coming up here. We're going to take a quick station break, and we'll get to these interviews that uh, Patrick was just telling us about. So thank you for joining us. You're listening to The Sunday Wire on ACR, and we'll be right back after this station break. Hi, I'm Patrick Henningsen, host of The Sunday Wire, and you are listening to the Alternate Current Radio Network. <laughs> 